You ever crack? I have. I've been stretched thin as a child's rubber band and burnt out like yesterday's campfire. And in one of these moments, God allowed more stress than ever to come. Now, mind you, it was me who decided to take on all of these tasks at once. But that aside, why did God see me working hard to progress in all of these areas that I had taken on and still allow more unwanted pressure to come? I began to get hit in every area, and I was stubborn, angry at God for allowing it to happen, so I refused in the beginning to cry out to him. It wasn't until I couldn't take the pain anymore that I finally asked for help. Begrudgingly and half-heartedly, I would pray, upset that God would let me down in such a way. I was thinking of all of the things I did to stay in God's good graces, so the fact that he would do this to me felt like betrayal. I went to church, but more so, I held church services. I traveled and preached. I gave my time and money to the poor and needy, and God and all of his nerve would not cover me. Well, one day, when I was half-heartedly praying for help, God showed me the balance of my life. And for every prayer, I said there was a promise I made to God that I had broken. For every time I preached about Jesus, there were a hundred thousand more times that I had broken his heart with sin. For every minute I gave in counsel to someone else, God had sent people throughout my life to give me even more counsel. And for every soul I had led to Christ, there were many more souls that I had turned away by living contrary to the message I preached. I preached love, patience, and honesty. But there were times I acted impatiently and impetuously and not out of love and good cheer. God showed me that everything I thought I deserved really was just grace because what I really deserved was his wrath and judgment. And instead of getting angry because the good times or really the easy times had temporarily ended, I should have instead been thanking him that there were good times at all. I am Levi Griffin, and this is Word Today. I just want to thank you guys for uh, everyone that is faithfully listening to the podcast. I know that uh, I've taken a short, I've taken a short hiatus, or took a short hiatus, um, and it's a lot going on. It was just a lot going on uh, for me during that time. Um, finished school. School was uh, a huge thing for me. Uh, packing up a moving um family family was in town uh, so having to uh host and if you've ever had to host family then you know how that is uh, so just a lot of things that kind of monopolized my time but you guys are important the word of god is amazingly and ultimately important uh, and getting the word of guys to you guys the word of god to you guys is ultimately important so thank you guys for uh allowing me because you had to allow me to take the hiatus and I love you for it. Uh, let's, let's hop into the scripture. Uh, and first I'm going to start off with this statement. Don't allow grace to make you think that your toilet doesn't stink. And that's the nice way of putting it. Do not allow grace to make you think that your toilet doesn't stink. Matthew seven, do not judge others or you too will be judged for in the same way you judge others. You will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, 
Let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you, then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to you who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. That's the Old Testament. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, drive out demons and in your name, perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. All right, let's get into uh, breaking this down. It's so easy to forget our sins and remember others. And this could even be sin that you attribute to God. God has not sinned. But it could be wrongdoing that you, you attribute or, as you see it, wrongdoing that you attribute to God. And every time we look down at something God allowed to happen, then that we do not understand, we are ultimately judging God. I didn't know why God was allowing this stuff to happen to me, so I judged him for it. Makes sense? We do it all the time, don't you? We Don't we? Don't you? Have you ever said, why does God allow pain in the world? Why has God allowed the suffering in uh, this country. Why did God allow, allow this pain to happen? We're not just questioning. We're we're questioning with how could he allow? How I can't believe he would allow this. And we're putting it in a negative light in our own heart and minds. We're judging him. And there's a problem with judging him. Going back to verse one, do not judge. You too will be judged. For every time we judge someone else or even God, then that that question can be asked of us too. If we say, God, why did you you allow suffering in the Middle East? And God can say, hey, why do you allow suffering in your own city? Can't you go to a homeless shelter and volunteer more of your time? Can't you take some of that food that you've been eating and, and cut back a little bit and help feed someone on your own corner? 
How about you look at the speck in your eye before you try to understand the cosmic level that I'm working on? Verse 2, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So for every standard you hold God by or someone else by, that same standard is now one that you have to answer to. So if you hadn't mastered generosity, you can't ever judge someone for being generous unless you're giving 100% of what you have. Jesus paid it all with his life. If, you, if that's not you, if you hadn't paid the ultimate sacrifice, then you're really not in a position to judge anyone else's generosity. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of you, your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck in your brother's eye. This is why I, this, this is why I have a huge pet peeve with Christians judging other Christians. Your toilet stinks, brothers and sisters. It does. So why would you judge someone else? Why would you say, oh, this person's cheating on their wife? Well, pray for them. Maybe speak directly to them and pray with them. But don't judge them. Don't gossip on them. Don't talk about them. Don't feel like you're better than them. Because you may not be cheating on your wife or husband, but you may be watching porn. You may be lying. You may be, have, you may be cheating on your taxes. There's, you have your own flavor of sin. You don't walk on water. So when you look at another Christian and you judge them, now you have to jump through that same. When you die, God is going to say, you, you held up this uh, pole of righteousness for your neighbor. Now you're going to have to meet that same pole. And none of us can. None of us can. Another thing, I kind of personally, I hate to, I don't want to say this online, but I, I, there's another reason. I'm kind of debating whether I should say it, that I don't like when Christians judge other Christians. I'll put it like this. There are so many people that are demonic. And when I say demonic, I don't mean people that are possessed by demons. I mean people that worship demons, whether they're possessed or not. There's literally Satanistic churches, people that worship the devil. So why would you take your energy and your time to criticize or make a Facebook post about Joel Olstein's church or another Christian church, Rod Parsley's church or this person's church or this Christian when there are so many Satanists out there and atheists out there and people following false gods, wouldn't that energy be much better spent trying to convince someone of the love of Jesus Christ than going after someone that already loves Jesus Christ? Seems like a, a, a weak thing to do. And I don't want to be judgmental there, but it seems like a very weak thing to do. Seems like there, there could be a better use of time. I'll put it that way. Because there's going to be someone that says, well, he's saying not to judge, but he's judging. I'm not judging any person. But that situation, if you're doing this, seems you're like you're, you're attacking someone that's an easy target. How about you attack a problem and go try to feed someone? Go try to love on someone. Try to make a difference. Use your energy to push the ball forward and not to criticize. Don't be the guy on the sidelines judging the players until you get in the game. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Now, the question might be, all right, you don't want me to judge people for what they do. But what if they did me wrong? What if they continuously do me wrong? We're going to 
It's that boy from Matthew 7, uh, for, uh, briefly, and hopping to Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of God is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began to settle, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay you back everything. The servant's master took pity on him canceled the debt and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. But he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had that man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. You, shouldn't have, you should have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you. In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brothers or sister from your heart. We're quick to look at someone else and say, hey, this person isn't doing that. This person isn't doing this. Instead of forgiving any misgivings that they've done, praying for them and loving them. Now, we could have a ton of mess going on in our life or we could be covered under the blood of Jesus for a horrific past. But we'll forget our horrific past and hold something up uh, against someone else and God is saying hey you do that to them and I'm going to bring back up all of this stuff all of this crap in your past that's jacked up that I forgave you for my situation I could have been brought out of my situation sooner if I, I would have stopped judging God and simply humbled myself and asked for help I'm looking at God like, how could you allow this to happen to me? And not realizing the grace that I've been covered under. Back at Matthew 7, verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. The law is the Mosaic law. The prophets are the books of the prophecy, basically uh, the Old Testament in a, in a nutshell kind of way. Man, if I would have just stopped judging God, God, how could you do this? Why did you do this? And just would have been humble and say, God, I need your help. Things could have passed so more, so much more simply. Second Chronicles 714 says, if my people who are called by my name, are you called a Jesuit? Are you called a Christ John? A Christian, a follower of Jesus? It says, who are called by my name will humble 
themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. I could have had my land healed if I would have just humbled myself. But it's easier to be angry than it is to be repentive. And it's easier to be prideful than it is to be humble. Self-aggrandizement is the wide road to destruction. Verse 13, Matthew 7 says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Why? Because it's hard to find a small gate when you're sitting on a high horse. It wasn't until I got off my high horse that I could see the small gate. And I was on the high horse because of the fruit. There's a danger in producing fruit, right? Now, fruit is a mandate for salvation, but it's not the reason you get saved. Verse 15, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. Every good tree bears good fruit. Every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Every good tree bears good fruit. I felt I was bearing good fruit. I could look at the people that were listening to the podcast. I could look at the people that know me that are at the church. I could look at the people that have come up and shook my hand and patted me on the back after a sermon or after a message. And they're just so motivated and excited. And, and I've, I could look at all of the stories of people coming to me and telling me how their lives were changed by the word of God. I was producing good fruit. I was producing really, really good fruit. I mean, it was the, the Kool-Aid was good, but the problem with making Kool-Aid is that you will eventually drink it. The pats on the back, all of the, the, the kudos. And you'll forget that your toilet stinks. And God's grace is the only reason the world can't smell it. <laughs> that was the problem. I drank the Kool-Aid and it wasn't until I realized like, man, if God played back some moments in my life, no one would ever listen to the podcast. No one would ever clap in a church service I was preaching at. No one would ever want to come up and hug me and say, you changed my life. They would be disgusted. And that's just not me. That's everyone. If God showed some moments, some moments of your life, I'm sure people would be shocked at your behavior. And my blessing came when I realized this. And, I came, and it came when I realized I needed to practice what I was preaching and that I'm not now or will I ever be above the process. Verse 24, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, not temporarily, not for a year, not for 50 years, but to practice, period, your life. It's like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came and the rain did come. The streams rose and the streams did rise. The winds blew and the winds did blow and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. My house didn't fall, but man, did I feel it shake. 
because it has its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them in the practices like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. My house didn't fall, but it shook. But I'll, I'm, I, I thank God for allowing it to shake because it shook me out of a sleeping state. And I just want to say to everyone that is listening, go look at your toilet. Go smell it. Go in your bathroom, and I want you to sniff your toilet. And I guarantee that if it's after someone finished their business, it's not going to smell that great. Disgusting imagery, but that's our sin. It's disgusting. And just because you put some bleach on it, you might not be able to smell it now, but that doesn't wipe away the fact that it happened. That it was there. Don't get high off the bleach and forget that your toilet still stinks. And that is nothing but the grace of God. Nothing but the blood of Jesus that covers you. Don't rip off your, your covering. Don't pull off the blanket and expose, expose your sin. Stay humble. Stay repentant. Whether you've been saved a day or a hundred years, it's nothing but the blood of Jesus. How did that old song go? What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Listen, I really appreciate you checking out today's podcast. Make sure to find me on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Levi Johnny Griffin. Hit me up on Twitter at Levi underscore Griffin. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcast Platforms, Google Podcast Platforms, and Stitcher. Also, place a link to this podcast in your social media feed and tag me in it, Levi Johnny Griffin, for a chance to co-host a show with me. Hey, I want to leave you with this. Four evidences of Christian faith. One is belief. We believe in what Jesus did on the cross. It's what covers us and gives us access to the glory of God. B, lifestyle. It just means we live like we believe it. Jesus tells us to live right. We live right. C, we evangelize. What does that mean? We teach other people about Jesus so they can have faith. Indeed, we spread the lifestyle. We teach them how to live like they have faith. How do we do that? We connect them to a church and we connect them to plenty of Christian material, Bibles, Christian books, Christian movies like The Passion and even Christian podcasts like Word Today. Share it with your friends. If it's blessing you and you're eating and growing from it, let someone else eat and grow from it as well. I love each and every one of you. Let's keep praying and keep pushing in the faith together.